The decisions they make influence sports in Arizona now and in the future. Every move they make is news. Doug and Wolf bring you Newsmakers Week 2020. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. The Arizona Cardinals. The general. Oh, how about that? You did it, Bear. I didn't think Bear would do it. Can we get Steve time to flash the three? Flash the the three. Oh, he did it. Yes, indeed. Ron Wolfley, Doug Franz, the Doug and Wolf Show. Savages in the morning on a Cowbell Friday. I'm I'm very thrilled to have you here and listening to Loverboy. Is this the highlight of your career? It is. Short ass jeans and <laughs> slide on. Hair. Oh my goodness, I cannot tell you. Slide on those lizard skin boots, Basinonians. Pull up them yard ass jeans and brush back that fine feathered hair. It's a cowbell Friday on the Duncan Wolf Show, and the party's not gonna be the same without you. Now, I admit, I didn't think you'd do the whole speech right in front of him, so that was pretty Oh, uh, I'm sure Zach understands that, the Jordache jeans. You once had Jordache jeans. I mean, everyone had Jordache jeans. I did not have Jordache jeans. <laughs> no, I was sort of a husky kid, so Is I never right? Jordache jeans. How you doing, my friend? Doing good. Today, uh... Today my daughter turns twelve, so wow. uh, Valentine's so t- Day. Yeah, baby. so I told her to listen and uh, happy birthday to my little princess, and she has uh, turned into quite uh, a special little lady, and I'm uh, very proud to be her dad. That's very That's special. Awesome. Happy well birthday t- from the Doug and Wolf Show as well. I want to I want to start with the exact same question I asked uh, Michael Bidwell on Wednesday, the president and chairman. Uh, when you sat in that seat last year, it was not a very good seat coming off of the last year and then the changes you were making. And you hadn't yet left for Indianapolis and and really didn't. I, I think you had said to us before you weren't sold on Kyler Murray until much later in the process. How do you feel where you're sitting now? How do you feel about the direction of the Cardinals now versus 2019? I feel great. I mean, and again, it comes down to the fact that it's a quarterback-driven league and uh, all signs point in the direction that we have a franchise quarterback and a guy that we can continue to build around. And So that part of it is very exciting for me, and hopefully it's exciting for our fan base. Talk about Cliff Kingsbury and his development as your coach from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, and what did you see? Uh, you know, he he grew so much throughout the season, and, and not only as just a play caller, whether it was personnel groupings or play design, but his his leadership and, and his ability to connect with players. I mean, I saw so much growth from him and uh, really proud of the job that he did. And he's, he's such a good person, uh, not only a very good coach, in my opinion, but uh, what he brings to the table, not only, again, from the schematical approach and the way he approaches the game uh, offensively, but just, you know, again, his leadership skills as well. We don't know what was true on the inside, but the way Cliff Kingsbury talked last year was very hands-off about the combine, very hands-off about the draft. How has that relationship between the two of you changed as you go into this year's combine and how much either more you want from him or more he's willing to give? Yeah, well, not only Cliff, but all of our coaches. I want them involved in the in the process of uh, player acquisition, whether it's free agency or the NFL. NFL draft. You want to know what your coach is like. You want to know what fits our scheme. Uh, We have to put those guys all in positions to succeed and cater to their strengths. So you have to understand what they like and what they want. But but Cliff has, has certainly given his opinion. And that's the one thing that was so interesting about, you know, the first pick was everybody 
sort of pointed in that direction that, hey, Cliff loves Kyler. He pounded the table, which is not the fact. I mean, he didn't even lobby for him. He, he respected the process. He listened to all the valuations. And we made an organizational decision, which was best for us. And, and uh, that also is something that I, I really respect about Cliff is, is he didn't pollute the process. He, he respected it. And uh, I think it played out well. You know, I know that you believe that Kyler Murray should have been the offensive rookie of the year. And I believe that as well. Many many people do obviously by the voting but tell us why specifically you believe he should have been the offensive rookie of the year well i i think a number of reasons but I, I, you know when you look at um how much he improved our offense you know the the the, the guy who made the biggest impact uh for their respective team to me, it was was easy to see. It was Kyler. He's a guy that, you know, you look at the offensive stats and the and the improvement that we made from one year to the next. I mean, it, it is it is obvious that Kyler was a big reason for that. Is it easier to improve the people around Kyler offensively through free agency or the draft? Well, I mean, I think the draft because it's it's really the lifeblood of every organization. Uh, you can't live on free agency. I mean, it's you can't buy a team. You have to draft a team. You have to build chemistry. And, uh, and, and that's exactly what we are philosophically is build through the draft, supplement in free agency. Um, and both of them are in an exact science. I mean, when we ro- look at the numbers, and I've had our analytics team run the, the numbers, and really 47% of all first-round picks in the last 10 years have succeeded, which is humbling. And then you look at free agency over the last 10 years, guys who've been paid $5 million and above, which we consider significant mm-hmm. contracts, 40% have succeeded. So it just goes to show you that free agency, when everybody gets excited and says, let's go attack it, let's be aggressive, it can be fool's gold. Is you that know, the most difficult thing? It's team building? Yeah. From I your mean, perspective? And, and I've heard this before. I mean, you, you can pick talented or ta- good players, but you also have to understand how to build chemistry and how to build a team in the locker room that uh, you can have success with. You know, guys that, uh, for me, looking at the big picture and going back to years that we've had a lot of success, the locker room essentially policed itself, you know, where guys held each other accountable. Totally. And, and we, you can have nice guys and good players, but you got to have some alpha males that run the locker room, that police it themselves, that when the coaches aren't around, these guys are holding each other accountable. And, and when you look at the teams who have success ultimately in the NFL, they have guys who can police the locker room. Amen. I, I, I would assume every time you've prepared for an NFL draft, you felt like this is the most important NFL draft of your career. But with this year and, and pick number eight, in the past years, your first-round picks have not been what you have wanted them to be, but you just said that's about the same across the league, maybe 47%, and I think you're probably, what, three for seven maybe, four for eight, somewhere right there. Where have you gone wrong, and how have you improved in the last 12 months preparing for the 2020 draft to try to make sure it doesn't happen again? Yeah, I mean, same thing I always tell you guys. It's, it's the person. You know, it's it's the valuation process is easy to see the feet and the length, the athleticism, and it's it's the passion. It's the ability to process and learn that, that you miss on most of the time. You can't forecast injuries. That can happen from time to time, and it's unfortunate. 
but it's it's truly missing on the guy's passion, his love for the game, and his ability to learn and process information. Those are the areas that I've learned, and I continue to learn. It's it's humbling, and it it is something that I continue to strive to get better at every day. There's a philosophy that is out there that you know what you've got this young quarterback, you've got this guy that is developing, you've got this young coach right in Cliff Kingsbury that is developing this offense. Offense was the strength of this team, right, last season. Why not just double down with that number eight pick? Why not just double down if, in fact, you got a guy like a Jerry Judy there or a guy like CeeDee Lamb there at number eight? Why not just double down and say, let's surround Kyler Murray with some great, explosive players and make offense the strength of this team going forward? What do you think of that philosophy? I don't think Vance Joseph would agree, but uh, <laughs> I don't, you know, I mean, that may happen. You know, we're going to take the best player available at number eight uh, or trade back or trade up. I mean, it's there are a lot of options, um, but we will take a guy that, in our opinion, has the biggest impact for improvement and success moving forward. And, you know, that's the, the great thing about Kyler is, is you right now is a critical time for us because you're not paying a quarterback $30 million. Mm -hmm. So you have to take advantage of the situation and build around him and um, and give him those playmakers that you just talked about. But at the same time, you know, a lot of times they say defense wins games and uh, you got to slow people down. You got to stop them. uh, You got to create pressure. And, uh, you know, those guys are hard to find. You've you've heard your big guy. You've heard it all of last year, especially after that Rams game. How many people said time for a new general manager for the Arizona Cardinals? What was it like Wednesday when you heard the guy's voice that truly matters, Michael Bidwell, say Steve Kime should be our general manager? Well, I mean, it's always good to have support from your boss. I mean, there's no doubt about that, and he has been tremendous uh, in that area. But um, again, this this business comes with that pressure, and, and, and that's what I've done over the past few years is is you have to look at it and you have to embrace that pressure you have it, this job isn't for everybody no and um you know, hopefully that i do a good enough job that i have thick enough skin and and i don't take it personal you know everybody's got an opinion you guys have a job to do it's my job to make us better and it's a results-based business and i get that we're going to talk some free agency in the next beautiful part of the program right but do you have that plan in place do you have the free agent plan in place right now? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to it, as we talked about. I mean, uh, a number of different things that could happen. Uh, you have X amount of money. You have to decide how you're going to allocate that money. And then moving forward, um, the hard part about free agency is you don't have a lot of access to information like you do the NFL draft. You mm-hmm. don't talk. Be, you're not able to talk to the coaches. You, you really have to rely on your college reports and the information you gathered when they came out. Or you have to have a connection with coaches that, you know, have coached them. And a lot of times people don't want to share that information. Mm -hmm. So you're sort of approaching free agency sometimes blind and you don't know a lot about the person, which is concerning. Coming up next, and Steve Kime, the general manager of the Cardinals, knows it's coming. Who's the starting running back for the 2020 Arizona Cardinals? That's next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The decisions they make influence sports in Arizona now and in the future. Every move they make is news. Doug and Wolf bring you Newsmakers Week 2020. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. The Arizona Cardinals. This is the beautiful part of the program where you will ask after the uh, program is over, how much did Steve Kime dance? Let's find out. Who is the starting running back for the 2020 Arizona Cardinals? 
That uh, to me, that's a, a simple answer, which is the guy who is under contract and the guy who earns it. <laughs> You're right. Now, let's start with Kenyon Drake. Are you already negotiating a contract extension with Kenyon Drake? Uh, I don't want to get into details, but we have had talks uh, with Kenyon, and, and, and I made it clear that we would, would like to have him back. Right. So what about David Johnson in regard to last season? How do you process that, Steve, when you think of what you saw? Because obviously we know this guy as an awesome talent. Yeah. And yet we didn't see a lot of it last year. Yeah. I mean, I, I still have a lot of faith in David. You know, he's got tremendous skills. He's a great person. He works extremely hard. Uh, I think it was one of those things that when you look at the big picture and Chase got hurt, um, David got hurt. We made the trade, and then Kenyon Drake came in, and he got the hot hand. And in any sport, I think that you know you see guys have success, and the way coaches are wired, the way you're wired to want to win and 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 do well offensively, you go with a hot hand, and that's what happened last year. There's two terrible negative situations that I don't know if it's part of the plan with David Johnson. One of them would be just cutting him outright, but then oh my gosh, I can't imagine you taking that big of a cap hit. Mm -hmm. And the other one is paying a lot of money to a kick returner. If he doesn't win the starting job again, do you you already eliminate those two options? Is cutting him not an option because of the cap hit? Is paying that much money to a kick returner not an option? Yeah, I mean, mean, cutting him is not an option. Um, Not only the cap hit, but you're still paying the cash as well. Mm -hmm. So it's it's um you know it wouldn't be responsible for me or the organization to 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 do that but um if david johnson isn't a starter he still has a a a significant role the guy still creates big time mismatches in the passing game he still brings kick returnability there's a number of things and you can't have just one back you have mm-hmm. to have a platoon of backs we've seen that so there's enough carries to go around to have multiple players there what kind of interest do you think is going to be out there steve if David Johnson, have you received phone calls already on David Johnson? Come on, Bruce has what had to bug you. No, I, again, I, I'm not going to get into to, uh, private conversations. But, you know, again, we have a lot of faith in David and, and, and think he can continue to, to, to play well and go back to what he did in 2016. The guy has got great skill. Mm. And, and a lot of times when people fail, you know, I think you look back and you say, well, you know what? He didn't work hard enough. He wasn't a good guy. He didn't. Know, he wasn't committed to it. None of that applies to David. Mm. This is Steve Keim, general manager, Arizona Cardinals. Let's talk tackle position. Um, as you look at DJ Humphreys, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you you don't maybe not know which tag yet, but do you already know, hey, we're tagging him no matter what? You, you've got to keep him? Uh, I would just say that, that I'm very optimistic that, that DJ will return and um, – Really proud of not only the way he played, but sort of his maturation, uh, the 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 way he's progressed as a as a worker, as a leader. He's always loved to play. I mean, he's always been passionate and played hard. Uh, I think early on he was a young guy that that had to get the big picture. Uh, Sean Coogler has been fantastic for that room. Sean Coogler is, in my opinion, one of the best offensive line coaches in the National Football League. It certainly is the area where our team had probably the most improvement was the offensive line. Those guys played together. They stayed healthy. Uh, we ran the football effectively this year, and, and D.J. Humphreys was a big reason for that. Mm. And I think he played his best ball at the right time. If you have a chance to get a left tackle that's better than him, but you keep him, does that make him a right tackle, or do you say, no, he's, he's our left tackle? Well, early on in his career, he did play right tackle, uh-huh. if you remember. but So he has that ability, but... Uh, after looking at all the free agents so far and, and talking to our staff, guys like Adrian Wilson and Quentin Harris, um, 
Coogs has looked at a lot of those offensive linemen. I think we all feel very confident that, that DJ Humphreys has, has grown into one of better, the better tackles in the National Football League. No doubt about it. Um, the transition tag and the franchise tag, you can actually use both of these according to the CBA, right? Correct. It's the only year that you're able to do this. Do you anticipate using both? Well, I mean, we could. I mean, it's certainly an option, and, and we've talked about that. But, um, again, you always want to tie up your players that you feel good about, and you want to come to an agreement moving forward to a longer-term deal than, than having to use those things for a number of reasons, you know, contract structure, all those different things that, that come into play. But uh, they are certainly an option that we could use. Patrick Peterson, what's his future? Well, he's under contract, and, and I think – you know, when you look at the the body of work last year, um, he'd be one of the first to tell you he didn't play up to expectations early on. The last three games, I thought he played excellent, played like we expected him to play, and I think that he's got a chip on his shoulder, and I think he's going to come back with a vengeance. Do you think Vance Joseph used him in a way that wasn't conducive to his skill set? I mean, I know over the last three weeks, I think he actually ghosted the other team's receiver, traveled with the other team's best receiver a little bit more than what he had been in the past. Do you think that was the reason why? No, you know, and I I don't think, you know, I I look back at at, um, our defense and and we played much better the last quarter, but uh, I certainly don't think it was was Vance's fault. I think that, you know, uh, to some degree there were a lot of uh, personnel issues that we had for a number of reasons. You know, you had some suspensions, you had injuries that you can't forecast. Those aren't excuses because everybody has to deal with a number of things. But, you know, we, we have to get better from a personnel standpoint on defense to give Vance a chance to be successful. Have you opened up contract extension talks with Patrick Peterson? Uh, we have had conversations. Again, I don't, I don't want to get into the details, but um, Pat is a guy that, you know, Michael and I have talked many times about this. Is we, We'd love to see him retire a cardinal. You feel good about those talks, do you? It sounded like it. Uh, until the ink's on the paper, I never feel good. <laughs> what is the next step for Kyler Murray as you see it going forward? Where does he need to improve the most? I think like any young quarterback, it's becoming a true pro, which is the preparation. Not that he didn't prepare, but quarterbacks, through their maturation process, they always grow with film study, uh, understanding defenses, uh, decision-making, all those different things. The skill set is we know is off the charts. The ability to throw with accuracy, touch, velocity, all that is is exceptional. Um, the ability to beat you with his feet, the stress he puts on defenses is off the charts. It's just some of the small things, the decision-making, the processing, the seeing the field, all those things are areas where he could grow, and I expect him to make huge strides next year. Only because it's fresh. It just happened as you walked in. Uh, the Redskins and Josh Norman have parted ways. Do you have any interest? You know what? Um, I have not looked at Josh because he was under contract, so I can't comment on him right now. So you signed a guy by the name of Chris Strevler. Was it Chris Strevler, right? The leveler. CFL legend. (laughs) Chris Strevler, the leveler. What does that portend for this offense, right? Well, he's a unique guy, and I think, excuse me, he he brings a number of things to, uh, you know, again, he's got to make the team first, and... um, he, he, but he is somebody that we followed. We were excited about. Um, 
again, he is a legend in the CFL. You know, I think that Winnipeg won their first Grey Cup in 19 years because of him and what he brought to the table. But he's competitive. Uh, he's fun to watch. Uh, he's a gritty guy and can really run and make plays with his feet as well. So it'll be interesting to see him in this offense. You know, maybe there's a little Taysom Hill that, that you could say that he brings some different things to the table. But again, it's all projection and we'll find out soon. Is a fullback coming to this team oh, no. in the offseason? Matter of fact, that is the number one thing on our free agency. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Steve, why, why do you I do that say, to us? You know what, Steve? Honestly, though, I could see this, this offense morphing a little bit towards the Baltimore Ravens. Now, listen, I'm not saying running Kyler Murray the way that Lamar Jackson runs the ball. But the possibility of it, yeah. the, the threat of it, I could actually see that, right? And they use a fullback a lot. Well, we, we signed Max from... from uh, from uh, Baltimore, and that's, yeah, and that's sort of the role that he played in their offense. Is that sort of that offset tight end that can can play almost a fullback role as well? And I think he was a fantastic fit, which is why we extended him, you know, in the middle of the season because of what he brought to the table to this offense and how important he is. Steve Kime, general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, give us your opinion on a famous Doug and Wolf show debate. The debate is when you are on the board or when you are on the clock and you're in a draft room, there is your board, and minus the quarterback position, you do nothing but stick to the board. That's it. And Wolf says, no, wait, you have tiers, and if a position of need happens to have a guy that's in that tier, of course you take the position of need if it's within the same tier. What do you do when you're on the clock at number eight? Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, Now, I would even take it a step further. One of the things that I've always thought about philosophically was um, when you have a position group, and again, they are graded in a similar area. When you look at the big picture and you say, okay, when I get to free agency, first of all, which players at that position exist in free agency? Because usually people tie up left tackles, corners, quarterbacks, those positions, corners, guys that are Mm -hmm. hard to find. So I would obviously sort of lean in the direction of players that are hard to find um, and really don't make it to free agency because they're going to get extended. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Totally. So maybe not necessarily position of your need, but position of all needs because... Well, probably league value. Yeah, okay. League value, really. By way of example, right here, number eight picks comes rolling around for you this year, right? Yeah. It's a quarterback on the board. You take him because he's your highest rated player. Of course not. No, no. Not minus quarterback. So so that's my point. Yeah, I've always said minus quarterback, so I I got you there. Uh, Do you like Derek Brown as much as I do? Derek Brown's a good player. Um... Talked to him at the Senior Bowl. Very mature guy. Um, one of the few guys that gets through college um, and uses up all his eligibility. A lot of these guys we know that are top picks come out early. So he's extremely mature. He's dominant. Saw him play live against LSU. And his ability to take over and control the middle is is, is exceptional. Um, can create pressure mm-hmm. from from a, a defensive line position, which is, is obviously a plus. Uh, can hold the point. Can do all those things. So he is a fun player to watch. Okay, no draft subterfuge. CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's both. They're just they're just they're just That's different. Good. You know, they're good. different games. I mean, you watch CeeDee Lamb and and there are some things that come to mind when I watch him that remind me a little bit of De- DeAndre Hopkins. You know, you talk about a guy that maybe isn't the fastest vertically, but is gritty, tough, runs great routes. And then you got Jerry Judy who is so smooth and ac- accelerates in and out of breaks and and is a, sort of like a Gumby doll. He's got no <laughs> stiffness. Um so they're both great players. I think they're going to have exceptional careers. Since 
if Jerry Judy ends up in your evaluation a little bit higher than C.D. Lamb, how much does the Oklahoma factor play into – how much does Kyler Murray's opinion play into closing that gap or talking to him about C.D. Lamb? Well, from my text stream, you can tell Kyler likes him. But um, he is uh, – you know, you always uh, – would also lean towards guys that you know. Again, I just talked about the inexact science that the the draft process is and the percentage of success rates in the first round. Uh, If you know the person or you have confidence in who they are um, through the information you attain, you know, it certainly gives gives you more confidence. You know, I look at the Kansas City Chiefs, Decca, and they signed four free agents on their defensive side of the ball, four starters via free agency. They made three trades for starters as well, right? And then they drafted three right there. And to me, it's it's a situation where you look at it, could you see yourself constructing a defense in a similar way this yeah. offseason? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, we will approach every um, situation, whether it's free agency, the draft. Uh, we just want to get better. And, and, and obviously the defense is an area that we have to improve, particularly the front seven. You know, I was really excited about, our safety play last year. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no doubt Buddha continues to take it to another level. Um, expect Robert Alford back healthy, uh, Patrick and all those guys. So I think Byron Murphy is going to get much better in year two uh, and did some nice things this year. It, to me, it's, it's again, the front seven, um, getting somebody opposite Chandler, another linebacker inside, and, and, and more defensive line help to, to, again, give Vance Joseph a chance to have success this year. I don't know when it was, a couple of years ago or so. You and I had a really nice conversation about combine stories, and not just the work you put in at getting figuring out who should be a Cardinal, but just kids overcoming things, and you hear about it at the combine. Tell us one of those stories, even though I know you don't want to say a name, but a story that sticks with you about what, players have told you about their lives and what you learn when you're there? Well, I will tell you this. In 21 years, I've had a handful of guys who've been high picks um, tell us in, in those um, interviews that there was a period of time in their life that they lived in their car, out of a car with their family. Mm-hmm. And again, I won't get into uh, specific names, but to, to think about real life, and we talked about this earlier, Wolf Off the yeah. Air. I mean, what really matters in life? And when you talk about somebody who has to overcome those sort of things and live out of a car, it just goes to show you how fortunate we are day in and day out to to be put in the position we are. Very well said. You know, the last question that we ask uh, every year, no more filter. You're talking to Cardinals fans about 2020 and beyond. What do you want them to know about the Arizona Cardinals? Well, I would just say this. Uh, It is truly an honor. to be the GM of the Cardinals and to have an opportunity every day to live out my dream. And in the 21 years I've been doing this as a scout and as an executive now, um, I feel like I've grown sort of with our fan base. Um, I found a place that I call my home, which is Arizona, and I'm, I'm extremely proud of that. The thing I'm most excited about is through the good and the bad that has happened here, I truly in my heart believe that the next chapter is going to be the best of all. So I hope the fans are excited and are ready for this ride. Steve, thank you, man, for your time. Appreciate it. As always, God bless. Thanks, man.